Chapter Seven of the Heart of Philura by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven, Malvina Bennett, Dressmaker. The dressmaking establishment of Miss Malvina Bennett had become a sort of clearing house for general and miscellaneous information. Seated in Miss Malvina's little parlour, in close juxtaposition to the ornate base burner. The votaries of fashion, as represented by a pile of highly coloured magazines, might learn many things concerning the world at large, but more particularly of Innisfield. Miss Malvina herself would have repudiated the title of gossip with entirely just indignation. If there's one thing more than another I hate and despise, she was wont to declare with deep feeling, it's tale-bearing and gossiping. I mind my business, and I expect my customers to mind theirs the whole enduring time. Anybody that sews has got to watch out for their tongues. As I says to mother, there's something about settin' and sewin', I says, more especially bastin', that does somehow tempt a body to tittle-tattle. But there ain't anybody can say I was ever known to repeat what comes to my ears in the shop. And I ain't saying I don't know about as well as most folks what's going on in this town. With which tacit admission, Miss Malvina invited fresh confidences of the sort one makes to a discreet person whose mouth is filled with pins, while with a pair of sharp scissors she deftly clips about the circle of one's neck in dangerous nearness to the jugular vein, or with the same shining implement snips suddenly and with apparent recklessness under one's armpit. Miss Bennett was a wiry little person, who had never looked young, even in the days when she toddled solemnly about her grandmother's kitchen, in sedate and unsuccessful pursuit of an elderly kitten. By the time she was eight, Malvina could overcast a seam as neat as a pin. At ten, she was sewing her own flannel petticoats, without manifesting a single carnal desire to run out of doors and frolic with other children. I guess the Lord created me special to be a dressmaker, was Miss Malvina's pious comment on the workings of a providence which appeared to have closed every other avenue of usefulness, save the one the little seamstress trod so carefully. And having never been young, meaning that Miss Malvina was never in the least rosy, nor pretty, nor idle, nor imprudent, and that in consequence of all these negative virtues she never had a bow, so likewise she did not grow old the way other and more fortunate people did. No one remembered just when Malvina had taken to wearing glasses, because the large steel-bowed spectacles bequeathed to her from her grandmother appeared so eminently fitting an addition to her somewhat nipped and wintry little nose. So also the adoption of a much befrizzed black hair-front, also an heirloom, but every bit as good as new, made little or no change in Miss Malvina's everyday aspect, even when the frizzed front became, in certain exigencies, pushed rakishly to one side, revealing sparse grey hair combed neatly back to join the rigid pepper-and-salt knob at the back of her head. "'Here's a hand-glass, Mrs. Puffer,' exhorted Miss Malvina, pressing upon her customer a small cracked mirror. "'I want you should look at your back. There! Ain't that a neat fit? It couldn't lay no smoother nor set no snugger I don't care who done it. Land, I do hope and pray you'll get a chance to wear this dress while it's stylish. Last year, I remember, 
no sooner did i get that velveteen skirt fitted down to you than you had to lay it aside now i suppose it's too narrow you seem to be somewhat stouter since the last baby was born i think i hear him crying interrupted mrs puffer resignedly i left him outside in his go-cart asleep oh, don't you dare stir warned the dressmaker with a threatening gesture i just got them goods pinned on to you in a real stylish draped effect you know like the one you was admiring in the arts and modes i'll take a peek at the baby anyhow you couldn't move if you was to try <laughs> mrs puffer a stout matronly person with a perpetual pucker of anxiety between her mild blue eyes relaxed obediently in the swaddling clothes of her inchoate gown as long as he don't get under the strap and choke himself to death she sent after miss malvina's retreating steps dr holt says it don't hurt many to cry and you might turn him over and give him his pacifier it's round his neck on a pink cord miss malvina returned presently her face wreathed in smiles you don't need to worry a mite about the baby she said who do you suppose has got him taking care of him like she was his mother from way back mrs puffer didn't know she was sure and became restive once more under miss bennett's formative hand now you just stand still miss puffer or i can't do nothing these here pernickety folds is the very dickens if you don't get em right first off i was just going to tell you if you'll quit prancing philura rice well i mean mrs pettibone was coming along and she heard him sure enough he was down in under the strap his face as red as a beet my you ought to have seen her whose baby is it she says to me all pink and excited i've got miss puffer all pinned up in ten yards of dress goods inside i says and begun to hunt in his blankets for his pacifier but land philura she had him out before you could say jack robinson i'll take care of him she says i'd love to mrs puffer sighed a transient relief well now that's real kind of miss philura she said twisting her head to gaze at the reflection of her large person in the glass but i do hope she won't drop him miss bennett cackled appreciatively as she took another pin from between her closed teeth she won't drop him she hazarded but it wouldn't surprise me none if she run off with him for a spell philura always had a hankering after babies outside in the warm april sunshine the minister's wife was talking confidentially to the new parishioner upon being extricated from his perilous position young master puffer had instantly ceased his half-strangled cries for maternal aid and was gazing in round-eyed wonderment the new and interesting phenomenon of a hat with nodding plumes and a pink rose in the front the face under the hat was almost as pink as the rose and two blue eyes gazed at him soulfully the unfamiliar voice too had a pleasing cadence and the stranger's embracing arms held his small plump person as he liked to be held after a period of reflection the baby opened his rosy mouth in a puckered circle and a sound came out it wasn't just what he meant to say but it served the purpose oh you darling cried the minister's little wife you sweet precious lamb then she buried her hungry little mouth in his warm fat neck 
the new parishioner betrayed no resentment he was in fact used to such demonstrations he continued to gaze delightedly at the pink rose and the pink cheek and the blue shining eyes of his captor waving his small dimpled hands uncertainly towards the objects of his desire i'd like to carry you off were the traitorous words the lady whispered in his ear you'd like me for a mother just as well as mrs puffer wouldn't you sweetness oh i'd love you i'd love you so at this bold speech the baby blinked dazedly then closed his eyes as if the better to consider her audacious proposal oh you're sleepy precious inferred his self-appointed guardian and somewhat awkwardly she stowed him among his blankets and pillows with a sigh of content the new parishioner tucked a small but useful thumb into his mouth and resigned himself to blissful slumber if you were mine murmured the unprincipled person who had thus deliberately broken the tenth commandment i should never never leave you outside to cry while i was being fitted for a stupid dress then she began wheeling the perambulator slowly up and down the sidewalk though she might better have gone about her business which chanced to be a meeting of the ladies aid and missionary society if i should stop wheeling him for a single minute mrs pettibone excused herself mendaciously he would certainly wake up and cry and if malvina bennett has pinned a draped skirt on mrs puffer she'll insist on basting it before she lets her go there was a shabby mud-bespattered motor-car standing before the next house but one mrs pettibone eyed it with passing interest there were very few automobiles in the conservative village of innisfield this one she knew belonged to dr north and its presence before a house usually betokened sickness within she wondered vaguely if mrs salter was suffering with another of her spells and whether it was her duty as the pastor's wife to stop and inquire just then the door flew open as if under the urge of an impatient hand and dr north emerged in the act of pulling on his driving gloves he was a tall stout man with a weather-beaten face half hidden by a great grey beard the doctor complained certain of his patients was always in a hurry he had abandoned his overworked grey cob in favour of an automobile in a day when the latter means of locomotion was no less than an extravagance and thereafter appeared always in the act of hastily entering houses from which he has abruptly emerged the periods between being wholly negligible to mrs pettibone's great astonishment this energetic practitioner stopped short at the sight of her one foot already in his car good afternoon miss philura he hailed her in his big hearty voice a voice be it said which had more than once recalled a trembling soul from the very brink of a new and untried existence to the dear familiar duties of a mundane life that your baby mrs pettibone blushed becomingly he's mrs puffer's baby she explained with an unconscious sigh i'm just taking care of him while his mother has a dress fitted at malvina bennett's dr north gazed thoughtfully at the rather shabby perambulator exuding pink and blue woolly things and then at the little lady who grasped its handle there was no mistaking the look of wistful eagerness in her face the doctor had seen it many times before in the course of a longish practice most of which had concerned itself with women 
he is uh, he is a lovely baby murmured mrs pettibone curiously embarrassed she stopped to tuck a pink blanket under a blue one and patted the rotund little bunch underneath with a gentle hand of course of course agreed the doctor cheerfully the puffer children are a fine healthy lot pity there aren't more like them well i must be off good day the car leapt forward and then paused obediently under the doctor's masterful hand why say mrs philura well, oh i beg your pardon mrs pettibone can't seem to get used to the change why don't you adopt one adopt oh you don't mean a baby yes certainly just that you're fond of children and heaven knows there's plenty of poor little things that need a mother think it over he was gone in a spatter of liquid mud leaving the dazed and agitated recipient of his counsels to consider his surprising suggestion plenty of children without mothers and yes plenty of mothers without children that was what he meant could this in any wise satisfy the secret longing which of late had begun to clamour more loudly than ever within her mrs pettibone recalled stealthy moments spent in the seclusion of her mother's attic caressing a battered doll once the joy and solace of her childhood on her twelfth birthday the doll had been summarily relegated to the garret big girls in their teens she was told rebukingly did not play with doll babies but the bereaved little mother bedewed her patchwork with more than one bitter tear before she ceased to mourn the pink and white image which had been just the right size to hug but there had always been something a stray kitten sick with hunger a puppy with a broken leg a forlorn chicken hatched in the middle of winter by a fatuous old hen who refused to mother her offspring even a rose-bush rooted out from a neighbouring garden and doomed to ignominious death in the ash-barrel because forsooth its cheerful blossoms were a common shade of red all these bits of almost unnoticed wreckage on the tide of life had miss philura painstakingly rescued and loved back into life and beauty the starving kitten had developed into the big maltese cat which now patrolled the ministerial precincts with a magnificent air of condescension the puppy in due course recovered and thereafter trotted on four good legs after the butterwoman's wagon while the lone chicken grown to a lordly cock reigned paramount over a flock of silly hens with stern masterfulness as for the disgraced rose-bush planted in miss philura's little garden enriched and watered and guarded from encroaching insects it had become a glory and a delight the common red of its despised blossoms had deepened and brightened into a crimson splendour which drew even the eyes of the disdainful person next door he came he saw he leaned across the fence with an ingratiating smile miss philura won't you tell me the name of that wonderful rose of yours he entreated i don't think we've got anything like it in our rose garden and then oh then was the moment of rare triumph which crowned the work of many months i call this the ash-barrel rose quoth miss philura very bright-eyed and demure something of all this memory and retrospect and vague forecasting of the future flitted through mrs pettibone's thoughts 
as she continued to wheel the puffer baby up and down the sunshiny street and then quite breathless and exuberantly apologetic descended mrs puffer oh i am so sorry what must you think of me but really mrs pettibone you needn't have bothered his pacify oh naughty boy he has his thumb in his mouth i never allow him to suck his thumb it ruins the shape of the mouth dwarfs the thumb and causes adenoids oh you didn't know it oh of course not could you i'll take him now and i do hope you're not all tired out how complacent and self-satisfied she looked and with what scarifying indifference she bounced the perambulator over the curb in her haste to depart mrs pettibone stood watching the mother of many children with undefined resentment for a fleeting moment which yet marked a momentous resolve then she walked sedately toward the church where the ladies were diligently sewing calico blouses for the mountain whites End of chapter 7